This is Celestial Horizons Shattered Sleep, an interactive podcast where you can influence how the story develops. Currently, each episode of this podcast is followed by thoughtful, nuanced discussion by audience members like yourself. Those discussions go on to influence the actions that the characters of the podcast will take. You can be a part of this discussion by joining us on our Discord server. A link to it can be found on our website at www.celestialhorizons.io. We'd love to see you there. And really, the quality of the comments we receive from the audience is absolutely remarkable. Main engine test number 473. Failure. Fuel line rupture detected. Line 023. Ignition failure. Propulsion system offline. The year is 2372, and you have signed up to be cryogenically frozen and shunted 1,200 light years across space by means of a one-way trip through a wormhole. The mission? To establish a colony at the edge of space. But after traversing the wormhole, the ship suffered massive damage from an unknown source. The engineering teams have been working tirelessly to try and repair the vessel and manage the crises that have popped up in the interim. Their actions will determine who, if anyone, survives the journey and will set the stage for the future of the colony and the generations of the people that will live there. Previously, the crew of the Ark Lyravea decided to salvage as many irreplaceable parts as possible from some equipment, instead of trying to keep said equipment intact and operational. As they committed to taking apart both a delicate scientific instrument and a large weapon, a terrible discovery was made. Their stores of Sculpin Antifreeze Protein Solution, or Cryojuice as they refer to it, had been almost obliterated. Without this substance, it is essentially impossible to re-enter cryosleep safely. This is essentially a death sentence for many of the crew who have been woken up, as not getting back into cryostasis means that they will grow old and die before their vessel reaches its destination. The leadership of the Ark has been grappling with the best way to handle the situation. The captain has ordered that the problem be kept secret from most of the crew, in order to prevent panic and keep repairs going smoothly. This has not been a popular decision with some of the leadership. Additionally, they have wrestled with the fact that some essential repairs, such as the communication system, require that additional specialists are unfrozen and woken up. Should they be doing that now, if they are also irreplaceable for the colony that they are supposed to be establishing a hundred years from now? Login successful. There are four new messages available. First message from Acting Chief Chief. Chief. Chief of Engineering, Hollis Saberhagen. Hello, everyone. Before I get into this update, I have to say, please, please be patient with each other. We're all under a shipload of stress, but we're all in the same ship together. <laughs> In the comm channel, we've, well, we've all sounded a bit like shaken soda. If somebody, myself included, seemed snappy, it's nothing personal. Just keep checking with your med teams as instructed, and <laughs> please, 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 please take some sedatives if you're having trouble sleeping during your assigned off time. We're already having too many mistakes because people are tired. Yeah, actually, as a matter of fact, um, because we don't appear to be in immediate danger, 
we're actually going to ease up on the shift schedule. So those changes should come through your section leads later today. So, um, to alleviate some of the frustrations we're all having, let's start with some good news. Lishara Hernandez, the deputy chief, has worked solo per request and reset the redundancy drives on decks 205 and 183. She is killing it. We can all sing her praises forevermore. Attention team. Yeah, Substance every minute cleaner. we're getting more information about the state the of the ship, and Anna seems to be slightly rations. less glitchy, Thank so... You. Yay. Most importantly, as far as we know, only one of our life support systems is malfunctioning and we have many backups. That's great. Note that only 47% of the diagnostic system is running, so there may be a pile of crap around the corner, but let's take this cheer. On the other hand, we can confirm that our engines are non-functional at the moment, though we've got some teams figuring out where the problem is. Well, the problems are... Early reports indicate that they're not in bad shape. Most of the hardest-hit systems appear to be located near the front of the arc, so the engines at the back are mostly fine. More on that in a second. Estimated time to repair is about four days. The two other major systems we've got scoped out now are sensors and the spook communication system. So first, um, sensors. The array has been pretty badly smashed, though we do have the pieces to replace most of it. We won't be able to get it back to 100%, but at least we'll have eyes again. We've got some cable rat teams figuring out how much of the wiring is still intact, though Lishara reports that the processing center is mostly fine. We've looked at the logs. And we got a decent idea about how the Reich we got into this situation. So, tonight, on What Punched a Million Holes in Our Big-Ass Spaceship, please welcome the Oort Cloud of Kepler-62. <clears throat> For any of you who went to a Jupiterian university, that's the sphere of ice and space debris that surrounds solar systems. It's made of massive chunks of material left over from before the solar system formed. It's the place that comets come from. Some of these chunks of ice are literally the size of mountains back on Earth, and the number of them is somewhere in the magnitude of billions to trillions. It looks like our friends at Earth landed a wormhole a little too close to the Oort cloud. So when the wormhole opened, its extreme gravitational force pulled lots of ice towards us very quickly, and we got hit with a hailstorm of mountain-sized comets. Hence, the front of the ship getting plastered and the back of the ship being mostly okay. <sighs> let's just... let's just hope we're outside of the correct solar system. We're prioritizing the sensor repairs to make sure we can keep an eye on the rest of the Oort cloud, to make sure we aren't on the receiving end of some slow-moving, continent-sized object. The other issue is that due to the impacts, we are drifting. We won't be able to correct that until our engines are back up, and we won't know exactly what direction or how fast we're drifting until we get sensors actually fixed, as such. If you are a member of Lishara's sensor repair teams, I'm sorry to tell you not to expect a less intense schedule for the foreseeable future. Thank you for all of the work you're putting in. 
Our overtime pay will allow most of us to retire when we get Attention back to Earth. As far as the communications goes, we have woken up one of the spook particle entanglement specialists to tell us if the system can be salvaged. As a reminder, this is one system that absolutely cannot be fixed if the particles it uses get mixed up, so... Yeah. <laughs> I'll update you all once Dr. Charbonneau gets back to me. Um... <clears throat> On a less official note about not spilling the news about the cryojuice leak, we are going to support the captain in keeping it quiet. It's better that we let them develop a plan with the HR people whose whole job is to make sure the problems get resolved cleanly. Although, ugh, I've stressed to them repeatedly that sooner is much better than later, and... They assured me that they'd find a good moment to do it, personably. It's been several days since then. Every time I ask, they say, Oh, don't worry, we'll take care of it, and let me handle it. You have enough on your plate. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe they're waiting to see if we can fix comms, or figure out where the hell we are, or maybe they just need a lot of time to come up with a plan. Whatever. The only person I've shared this information with outside of this channel is Thomas. Um, my husband. As the med team suggested, I have been writing a whole bunch of messages to him for when he wakes up. <laughs> I'm thinking of calling it Project Dear Sleeping Beauty. Or... <laughs> my shit during your shut-eye as he remains icily unaware for the duration of this. I've been pretty candid with the whole situation in my notes, giving him all the juicy details. It's, um, it's therapeutic. You should try it if you're feeling stressed. If nothing else, um, I don't know, maybe he and I can send them off to some TV studio to have it made as a series. I mean, I'm sure it would have some juicy melodrama. <laughs> I like to imagine him laughing over it all when he's supposed to be doing some paperwork for the gate. Take care of yourselves, people. Only by doing that can we take care of everybody else. End of first message. Second message, Anthony Worthing, Acting Second Deputy Chief of Engineering. Uh, okay. Hello, I am back from Deck 47. Uh, my team and I have confirmed the major leak with the... Um, Sculpin Antifreeze Protein Solution, or the... <laughs> Cryojuice has been effectively patched, and the environment of untouched containers of it stabilized. There's officially enough for 71 people, I repeat, 71 people to go back to sleep, and that's a hard number. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever sounded so official before. <laughs> Saberhagen, you're rubbing off on me. Microwave incomplete. Ooh. Oh, and other news. I was walking back with my team and found some things. We were on uh, Deck 47 in a causeway. Uh, oh, I forgot the name. But we were, like, uh, below where the security station and the environmental control rooms are on Deck 46. Around there, 
So we found a couple of rooms that were pretty shaken, busted doors and missing wall panels and the like. One of the rooms had a lot of exposed wiring, and I'll say, whoever built the Ark has amazing cable management skills, but, but through the other open door, we found a room full of freeze-dried solid foods that had their containers smashed by a broken support beam. You know, it may not be as hot as I'd like, but mm, 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 meat and potatoes have never tasted this good. My team agrees. If you're in the area and your meal break is coming, we may have extra. Alert, priority one. Fire detected, deck 234, Causeway Charlie. Emergency teams respond, deck 234, Causeway Charlie. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not on emergency duty right now. You know, my last shift had like four fires and two structural failures and an airlock malfunction that led to a new hole breach. <laughs> you can't see it, but I'm raising a fork full of potatoes to the brave people with emergency response assignments right now. That's all from me. End of message. Next message. Hollis Saberhagen. Thank you for that report, Worthing. Nobody opened any sealed containers. Got it? And we are still at alert level two, so liquor is still prohibited. But meat and potatoes is probably fine. I have an update for all of you from the spooks teams and the captain. Good news and other news. The good news is the particles are still entangled, meaning the system can be fixed. <laughs> We can get communications back with Earth, and in time, we can request a supply drop for more cryojuice in about five years, if that's the time risk we want to take. Dr. Charbonneau asked that we wake all four of the other spook specialists to conduct repairs. I looked at their files, asked if he could do it with just one, seeing as they all had a lot of overlap and expertise. We settled on only waking two. Going from there... The captain has just informed me that all three of the spook techs we've woken up get a guaranteed dose of cryojuice due to their importance in getting the gate built eventually. Right now, with everybody who has been woken up recently, we have 247 people awake. That's 52 more than when we first reported the fluid leak. Writing off the three doses that the captain has just promised away... That leaves 68 doses for 244 people. I will say that I am under the impression that the captain will wake more people up. Whenever I meet with them to discuss problems we're running into, their response is to send me more people, more specialists, more hands. I'll say something like, my people are working around the clock to reroute central processing, and it will take us 6,000 hours to complete. That works out to about 18 days with a team of 20 people doing double shifts, and that's just the first step of who knows how many to get the ship up and moving again. The captain then just sits there, staring out past me for a moment, and then says, I'll get you five more. 
I can see them weighing the people they're trading for time. And when he hears that we're struggling to respond to emergencies because of how riking big the ship is compared to the number of people we have on hand, he he gets us some more. It It's... Uh, okay, you know, look, the acting captain has made some hard calls, but they too were woken up and were forced to be in charge. A hundred thousand lives in their hands and a hell of a tension headache. They want me to thank you for all of your hard work, so remember, we're all on the same side here. Just, just be glad that you don't have to make the final call and that you won't have whatever fallout comes placed on your head. Let's... Cut them some slack, okay? Even if our chances of, of going back to sleep are dwindling. Please keep respirators on hand at all times. Thank you. Which brings me to my biggest question right now. Who gets to go back to sleep? And how do we decide? Many of you have commented on this. Uh, somebody suggested a, a merit system. The people with the most qualifications and achievements should get to go back to sleep, as they'll be able to help in Hypatia the most. Or maybe if people have to live out the rest of their lives, then we should focus on making sure that we have the genetic diversity left awake for a healthy, sustainable population on the ship. We know that across 100,000 people on this mission, we've got that issue covered, but among the people who are awake? I mean, do we tell people with unique genetics that they can't go back to sleep despite fulfilling whatever other criteria we set up? And for the people who don't get to go back to sleep, what do we do about their plus ones and families? Do we wake them up too? If people are young and married and their their spouse is still in cryo, should they be given a priority in receiving a dose? I mean, now before you get all frazzled, don't worry. That's that's not me trying to secure myself a spot. I'm just that that's an easy example to pull here. The fact of the matter is, there are people like me, with people they care about still asleep. Do we give those people slots? Or should I consider waking my husband to be with me? I, though, <laughs> I don't know if I even have the option to do that. He's supposed to work on the gate. Decisions have to be made, and I'm... Oh. We all need to honestly try to find a solution that does the most good for the most people. And to those of you who are already volunteering to stay awake, regardless of whether or not we can afford to let you do that, thank you. It's that kind of selflessness and nobility that will pull us through these times. You're, you're inspiring to the rest of us. Anyway, uh, once again, those who would have to stay awake should have enough supplies to last for their lifetimes on the ship. Uh, I say should because there's still a lot of broken shit around here, but at least for now there is enough freeze-dried meat and potatoes to go around. Ugh, thank you for being the people I can candidly come to. You have invaluable insights and perspectives. I tell you what's going through my head because I think you ought to know. The feedback you give me will shape the ideas and reports I pitch to command. 
Let me know what you think. And in the meantime, keep hard at your work. End of message. Final message. Anthony Worthing. First, we still have meat and potatoes. Somebody asked what kind of meat. I, I don't know what it is, but, but it's good. Come by when you can. Second, I've been talking with some of my department heads, and I, I, I feel like, well, well, we feel like, um, I'll put it bluntly. I, um, I'm not that important. I don't have merit or knowledge except some rudimentary skills in electrical engineering, energy specialist. We're not hard to find, and there's a bunch of us. I, I only got put in charge because I'm a little older than the other qualified people. How many of us that have been woken up are third-tier C-shift types? You know, backups of backups. I, uh, I don't want to sound rude, but I don't like the idea of people getting a second nap just because their daddy paid for them to go to more school back on Earth. That doesn't mean we deserve spots any more than anybody else, but it should be, like, really fair. Maybe we should do a, uh, a drawing. A lottery of sorts. I, I feel pretty firmly about this one. It, it should be random. For everybody. Even the fancy, sciencey people. Like, I mean, we have a hundred years to train replacements. Can we please not wake anybody else up? I would rather age a year or two than have even less of a chance of a spot, right? And I'm not the only one who feels this way about all this. Just, just saying. End of messages. Please watch your computer terminal for new priority messages from acting engineering heads. Good luck and Godspeed. Thank you for listening to the third chapter of Celestial Horizons Shattered Sleep. To be a part of the engineering team discussion, please join our Discord server. The link can be found at www.celestialhorizons.io. There, under the ArcNet channel, you'll be able to comment on the communications in this episode and react to other people's comments. The most popular and well-thought-out comments will influence these characters and their decisions. Let us know who should get to go back to sleep. How should they be chosen? And what do we do about any plus ones they may have? Thanks again for listening. For the latest Celestial Horizons news and content releases, please visit our website at www.celestialhorizons.io. This episode was written by Riley Jeffs and Nathan Young, produced and edited by Nathan Young, with music by Marcus Richardson. Good luck, and Godspeed.